I'm Alex Melia, and this is Our Voices on Climate Change, a stage for real people to tell the real stories we never get to hear. In this series, we hear impassioned stories from those dedicating their lives to help our planet. If you'd like more people to hear these stories, please share this episode with a friend. In this episode, you'll hear how the Indigenous people of Canada are linked with climate change. We are facing the same level of severity and destruction for nature. This is Louise. She's 28 and works for Stop Ecoside International. Which is a global campaign that aims to criminalise mass destruction to ecosystems at the International Criminal Court. Louise can trace her desire to protect ecosystems back to when she was a kid. My dad taking us on adventures with my sister, whether it was kayaking or rock climbing, and really meeting nature kind of enabled me to grow this sense of wonder for the natural world. Her dad, as fathers do, had a huge impact on her when she was young. One particular mealtime changed her perspective on her place on Earth. We were eating heated up lasagna and my sister and I were feeling quite full and we didn't really want to finish our plates. And then my dad started shouting and being like, un, deux, trois, until five, I think. And then he was like, every five seconds, a child dies of hunger on Earth. So you are going to finish your plates right now. And that was, I mean, obviously we did because we just felt the weight of the world on our shoulders. But I think it kind of gave us this conscious of, yeah, other people at the other side of the world and having that privilege of being fed and, and eating something and, yeah, cherishing that. In 2016, Louise moved to Montreal in Canada to conduct a research project. She was studying anthropology at the time with a specific interest in working with indigenous populations from Quebec. During her research, she spent a lot of time with these communities. So I was really curious how indigenous youth were connecting with their roots and their traditions with ongoing colonialism and oppression. And some of the practices or the topics that were really interesting to me were artistic and spiritual practices. But something that became very clear after a couple of weeks in Teochaque, Montreal, was the importance of land for indigenous culture. So that kind of was a piece of the puzzle that made me think, okay, there is something there that I don't necessarily understand as a Westerner, as a European, in the way that indigenous people have this really strong belonging to their land and how it really informs and shapes their cultures in so many ways. In the autumn of that year, Louise moved back to Berlin. While there, a new story broke from America that caught her attention. There were plans to build an underground oil pipeline that would run through North Dakota. Its path was to cross the Missouri River near Standing Rock Indian Reservation, where many indigenous tribes live. Members of the tribe and the surrounding communities considered the pipeline to be a serious threat to the region's water. And what's more, the construction of the pipeline would damage their ancient burial grounds. There was this massive resistance and mobilisation all around the world. So I looked on the map of actions and I was really surprised to not find anything in Berlin. The closest action in Germany was in Munich, which is quite far south. So I thought, okay, I have been hosted 
by people, by indigenous people. I have received all these amazing stories and knowledge and now it's my time to step in and to do something, to have this reciprocity that I heard about so much. I really wanted to get engaged with climate change and starting doing climate action. So that's when I started organizing demonstrations and being involved in the divestment movement to move money from fossil fuels and really making this connection between indigenous rights and climate justice. Louise had never organized a protest before. She didn't know where to start. So I looked online and I found these resources to set up a demonstration, which the first step was basically to contact your local council and to find a place which would be relevant. And in that case, it was the embassy of the US in Berlin. So she sent off an application to the council and invited people to a Facebook event. The objective was simple. We were raising awareness of what was happening, this pipeline project going through native lands and calling for actions from the US embassy to stop from making that happening. The turnout was extremely encouraging. We weren't necessarily big numbers, but the people who showed up were really interested and really committed to do their bit and to be in solidarity with the people in Standing Rock. I think there is also something very powerful in being in solidarity and just adding one actions to the map of global actions in the way that we are a global community standing behind climate justice and we all are doing our bits. I mean, this issue is super far from Germany. There is no geographical connection with it. But what was at the core of it is this slogan that is still relevant, water is life. And for that, we all understand the importance of having clean water and access to clean water. And I think we really forget that as Europeans and many other people on earth, we really take it for granted what comes from the tap. But as soon as this is threatened, it really changes our everyday. So I think that this really strong messaging and having people standing up all around the globe for that and realizing that we're not just this isolated bunch of people marching, we are actually part of a global day of action or a global week of action, and that is really powerful. Alongside organizing protests, Louise was working hard to encourage divesting money away from the pipeline project in Dakota. One of the reasons why these infrastructure projects and fossil fuel projects can be built is because they are financed. So if you take money out of the equation, a lot of it would change. There were two main banks in Germany that were involved in investing in this pipeline. And after a couple of weeks of campaigning, including sending letters to politicians and getting signatures from civil society, one of the German banks actually divested and dropped the project. This was a big win. Yeah, that was awesome. We really celebrated. You never know as a campaigner when a victory is going to be around the corner. In December of that year, under President Barack Obama's administration, permission for the construction of the pipeline was denied. However, this decision was reversed the following month by the incoming administration of President Donald Trump. The oil pipeline was completed in April of 2017. In 2020, Louise started working for Stop Ecoside. They are campaigning to make this kind of destruction of the natural world unlawful. I mean, think about the word genocide, and it's the mass killing of populations. We are facing the same level of severity and destruction for nature, for ecosystems. It's not a crime to destroy nature for profit. So once this 
changes and it becomes illegal and, and immoral to destroy nature on such a massive scale just for corporate reasons, then, then we can start playing in a whole different ballpark. The document that they are focusing on changing is the Rome Statute. The Rome Statute is one of the most powerful legal documents in the world and it is one of the governing documents of the ICC, the International Criminal Court, which sits in The Hague. The ICC is in charge of all international crimes. And when it was first created, ecocide was actually in the draft of the Rome Statute. But due to the power of several states, including my own country, France and the UK and a few others, it didn't make it through. And the reasons for that aren't completely clear and obvious, but imagine if like decades ago, ecocide would have been a crime already, that would have been a, such a game changer. They now have a legal definition of ecocide, which was drafted by an independent expert panel in June this year, which they are now using in diplomatic discussions. Ecocide means unlawful or wanton acts committed with knowledge that there is a substantial likelihood of severe and either widespread or long-term damage to the environment being caused by those acts. Basically, what I found is really interesting is that a lot of these words are already embedded in international criminal law or international human rights law, which makes it um, much easier to be added later on to the Rome Statute of the International Criminal Court. Stop Ecocide are already making a big impact. Since we have this campaign rolling officially under the Stop Ecocide name since 2017, we've had more and more countries coming on board. Now about 15 or so that have um, a public recorded interest of discussing ecocide either at governmental or parliamentary level. And it's becoming part of legislation of various countries, most recently Belgium, which discussed it in Parliament, included in their penal code. And Louise is as determined and tenacious as ever. I'm passionate for justice and I want to make the world a better place, not only for me, but for future generations and for all forms of being on Earth. And I have been gifted with an amazing, able body and bright brain and a big heart, so I want to make the most of all of these gifts. Louise's drive to make a difference is impressive, not just because of its energy, but because of its results. Clearly, she has a strong understanding of how to gain attention and how to influence powerful actors. The fact that her campaign is being discussed in parliamentary chambers shows just how impactful her efforts have been, encouraging major financial institutions to move away from funding environmentally damaging projects is also testament to her influence. But I'm sure Louise would be the first to say that this story is not about her individually. She's playing her part in a global community which is fighting for its very survival. As much as we hear it in the news and on social media, it's still difficult for those not yet directly impacted by climate change to see how important it is that we all play our part in fighting for our future on this planet. Following Louise's example, can we think of the role we each could play in standing up for our global community? If you want to keep in touch with the show and be the first to find out what's coming up next, go to our website, www.ourvoicespodcast.com or follow us on Instagram and Facebook. The links are in the show notes. And if you haven't already, give us a quick follow in your favourite podcast app. 
See you for another incredible story next week.